Welcome to the Women in Industry podcast. My name is Kirsty Davis Chinook, and my de- guest today is Nicole Ballantyne. She's the head of customer success and partnerships at Mestec. And Mestec provides the foundation for a journey to Industry 4.0, even in environments with low levels of automation. They have a manufacturing execution system, planning and scheduling tools, and they work with easy-to-deploy technology. And it's a cloud-based solution that can be rapidly deployed. So, Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much for being on this. This is only our second podcast, so I'm very new at this. Um, And you are very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And this is my first podcast ever, so (laughs) thank you. Between us, we'll muddle through. So when I was stalking your qualifications on LinkedIn, um, you have a Bachelor of Engineering from Imperial College London, which is rather impressive. Uh, When did you take that? Long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, so um, what made you want to do it? What made me want to do it? Um, I was always at school. I was always interested in making stuff, making things, inventing things. And I did um, design technology um, at school and I got into um, a few competitions like um, Young Engineer for Britain and the Design Awards at school. Um, And through winning a competition, so I was the Young Female Engineer of the Year in 19... Blah, blah, (laughs) uh, a long time ago. Um, And uh, through that, I got on a WISE course, actually, a Women in Science and Engineering course. And uh, they said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, I wasn't really very sure. Um, So they said, well, if you do MechEng, then basically you can do anything. So do maths and physics A-level and you'll be able to do anything. And I kind of took their advice. And here we are 30 odd years later. (laughs) 34 years into it. So um, <laughs> I imagine we are a very similar age. Um, so you didn't know what you wanted to do. Um, did you enjoy the course? I mean, what 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 did you specialise in when you did it? Um, well, maths. I love maths. But then I like the practical side of um, making things and, um, in, as I say, inventing things. So just generally making stuff. Um, so I, it kind of ticked all those boxes. Um, and through getting my place at Imperial, um, they asked me if I would like to be sponsored. And I said, oh, what's that? And I got the industrial liaison guy gave me a list and I applied to a whole load of the companies on there and got offered four sponsorships. Wow. Um, uh, and now I look back, I kind of think, would I have chosen the, if I know now what I knew then, would, would I have chosen the one I did, but I chose the one that gave you the most money. Uh, that and seems that was fair. A, <laughs> and that was a company called Metalbox, who now are, I, call, I think they're called Enviosis, M- but basically they're the largest packaging manufacturer in the world. And so yeah, I, I noticed you'd spent yeah. a lot of your early part of your career in packaging. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they make tin cans for Heinz um, and for uh, Coca-Cola, you know, so that nobody's really heard of the name, but you'll have at least 30 or 40 products in your cupboards for sure. I, I find that um, about most manufacturing industries, they're integral to our everyday life. But a lot of the time, nobody knows the name of the company unless it's yeah. the actual consumer brand. 
Yeah. You, you also did an MSc in quality management from Cranfield University. Yeah. So that was um, after my first couple of jobs. So you tend, I, I got taken, I was an undergraduate with Metalbox and then I went, I went in as a graduate because it was, I guess it was kind of the easy option after finals. Um, I didn't have to go through the milk round and everything. So I, I went on as a, as a graduate onto their graduate scheme and, and they typically moved you around every couple of years. And after the first couple of um, placements, um, I thought, well, what, where do I want my career in Metalbox mm. to go? Um, and I'd, I'd been working in like total preventive maintenance, world-class manufacturing um, sort of teams um, and sort of heading up projects around quality and reducing quality complaints. And I, I thought, oh, maybe I'll, you know, the pathway was to become a factory manager. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm not sure I really want to be in charge of 200 men. What? How can I get on one of the top teams and not be the factory manager? So I thought quality was the way to go. Um, and so I became world-class manufacturing manager at Tyneside Printers. And um, I started doing a part-time uh, master's at Cranfield. And to be honest, being a quality manager was awful um, because if everything went well, it wasn't because of you. And if everything went wrong, it was all your fault. Yeah, that seems fair. And then I think I think going through a quality management degree, I realized that um, my kind of the way that my brain is wired is not procedural. So yeah. it kind of, by doing that qualification, it confirmed that I never wanted to be in quality ever again. It's very detailed, isn't it? And you sort of have to go one, two, three, four. You can't just go one to ten. Um, yeah. you, you've got to follow each step, haven't you? Yeah. And anyone that knows me, my my brain doesn't work like that. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you sort of moved out of the quality and you sort of moved into European Business Development Manager and you went to... Crancourt and see on you were there for quite a while yeah so so metal bots got taken over by a french company called carno and then became carno metal bots and then we got taken over by an american company called Crancourt and seal ah right so it's all it's all part of the same company and after my stint at uh, tyneside printers in world-class manufacturing um we'd just been taken over by the american company crown and um, they they wanted to see Europe as one number, you know. So <laughs> the accountants wanted to see that one number. They wanted everybody on the same system. So we had factories that were making thousands and thousands of cans a second, and then we had factories that were making you know the really ornate, um, beautiful tins you get in um, in duty free with a bottle of whiskey in. They were making, you know, a hundred cans a shift. Yeah. So the, the 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 span of the different products that were being made in the organisation was massive. But I say when we got taken over, we were we wanted to be seen as, or well, Europe wanted to be seen as one number. So I suppose they it's a bit to... like buying your shopping in Aldi and buying it in Fortnum and Mason. <laughs> yeah. So they, they they wanted to see a number. Yeah, that one number, and so they wanted one system one ERP system across the whole of, of uh, the company in Europe. And so they um, decided to implement JD Edwards. And I think they've now converted to SAP. But anyway, they want to implement this sort of high level ERP system across Europe. And so I got myself onto one of those teams um, and did a couple of implementations in the UK. 
And then I got my own team and went out into the Benelux and did 13 factories out there. So I would go in with my team of 10. We'd meet the factory team of 10. We'd spend three months understanding the processes, mm -hmm. how we were going to put the software in place. And then at the end of month three, we'd have a week of go live and then we'd go see you. And then we'd go on to the next factory. So, it was, so you sort of like a, a, ro a roving um, implementation person across yeah. europe yeah 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 for that a while sounds like it had yeah. been great fun yeah no it was it was it was it was very good and and we had a great team out there and um and and what was great was that you actually saw what you'd done which mm -hmm. I, in a lot of jobs now it's kind of you don't necessarily see see those tangible effects immediately whereas there you know every three four months we were doing another factory so it was very tangible what what our results were and at the time, this would have been cutting-edge technology, fairly new to a lot of manufacturing plants, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. And and I think what I see now is how far ahead they were as a multinational, massive uh, corporate, global corporation, how far ahead they were. So I thought they were quite backwards. But now when I go into some manufacturing companies, I think, gosh, we were doing that 25 years ago in metal box so for sure um it it was yeah pretty pretty forefront of uh yeah you you sort of as, as your career progressed you started working more with um i suppose sustainability for yeah, yeah. manufacturing companies um, yeah, yeah. and you sort of started doing that in what about 2008 was it Yes. So, the you know, if again, if you know me, that, that, that timing came at a point where I had children. So working for a manufacturing company and um, I know this is all about women in, in STEM and, and maybe it doesn't sell it so well. But working in a manufacturing company, um, I'd, I'd moved from Crown, which was this big global packaging company. I'd gone to work for a small SME um, mm. in international business development, and they were manufacturing anti-corrosion coatings. Yeah. So there was, uh, I don't know, maybe 100 employees. I was on the senior management team as their international business development. So it, for me, it was my dream job. I was doing a lot of traveling. It was great. Um, and I found myself in Hong Kong and South Korea, I think it was, and thinking, everyone smells of garlic. And I realized I'd got I'd got morning sickness. So, you know, oh. I got into this position, dream job, and like I couldn't I couldn't travel anymore. I, you know, um, yeah, I wanted to have six months off and and then I had another child and I just felt so guilty to the business owner that there was a big hole in their management team and I couldn't fulfill all the promises that I'd wanted. And and with them being a small company, they couldn't afford to kind of cover the gaps. So I moved into the public sector. And that's when I moved into, um, I looked at some really, I guess now looking back, I looked at some really rubbish jobs and I applied for a kind of account management job and when I went in they um, to this sustainability consultancy, they said, well, you could do that job standing on your head, but we're trying to recruit a technology and innovation manager and you would be brilliant for that. And I was like, I'd never even thought about that. So Play to your strengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had, and then I had another child while I was there because they had much better maternity benefits. <laughs> it is difficult and it is one thing that hasn't really changed 
um, over the, well, over time at all, um, is when you do have a child and come back to work, um, how you're going to juggle um, both full-time roles, um, being a parent's a full-time role, um, and, and simple things like, um, you know, pumping your breast milk at work and storing it is a, a safe um, and comfortable location for you to do that. And I think the fact that we're talking about it more now is the first step towards solving that. Um, yeah. I don't think there's an easy answer. I think hopefully after the pandemic with more roles um, being flexible or hybrid, um, that will help moving forward, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, and, and for and for sure, you know, it is. Yeah, that it was that flexibility I was looking for, and for me, working in the public sector, it gave me that flexibility. They were far more understanding, and whether it was they were more understanding or I felt less guilty. Um, were there more women cause... in the team in the public sector <laughs> compared to? Oh, absolutely. Roles? absolutely. So it maybe yeah. it was more practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So with all the work you've done on sustainability since 2008 um, and all the companies you, you, you've, you know, spoken to when you were at Made Smarter and KTN and now at Mestec, do you feel that SMEs are more invested in changing their processes to become more sustainable? Have you seen a shift change in that? Um. I'm not sure I can say I've seen a shift change. Mm. Uh, maybe with the increase in uh, energy prices, there's been a shift change. So which makes you look a bit more at the question, um, you know, why why would you look at sustainability and why would you look at sustainable practices? And, you know, when you go right to the bottom line, people do it to save money. Yeah. People do it because there's a financial benefit manufacturers do it because it actually affects the bottom line it will reduce their energy spend um and and that you know to build a business case to buy a piece of automation equipment or to invest in some software that helps you be more productive you know what's the payback and what's my you know either reduced line time so therefore reduced energy there always has to be that bottom line of of a saving and and it, it's been like that for the last 20 years I, I think you're right. I think we're seeing more of it now. And um, it's because the energy prices are having um, a really sort of negative effect to that bottom line. Yeah. Um, that more people are looking at it more seriously, I think, perhaps. Yeah. And, yeah. and I suppose... Can I just say, I think, I think it's a bit yeah, like sure. Industry 4. Yeah, it's a bit like Industry 4. You know, you don't do industry four for, in, you know, you don't just get a robot because you want to do industry four. You, 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 you buy that robot or you, you invest in that software because it gives you a financial benefit. And it's, and, and whether that, that financial benefit is in, you know, your, it's a productivity and labor saving, whether it's an energy saving, whether it's a material saving, there's always a benefit and mm. that's business, isn't it? I would qualify that by saying I'm looking at a robotic project at the moment purely because I do want a robot, but... Um... Well, it's all right, you're the boss. <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously throughout your career, you know, you've studied as well um, and, and 
you've taken on new roles, you've learned new things within those roles. Um, do you still feel that you've got lots of things to learn? Totally, totally. And, I, and yeah, it's a very old adage, but the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. And I can't say that enough. And I say that to my kids all the time. I think it's so funny that you think you know everything. Oh, my God. You know, I um, and sometimes I question myself and I kind of think, oh, you know, I if I shove any more in, you know, it's just I think I've got more coming out the other side than I've got going in this side. But um, there is so much to learn. And I, I always thought that after my stint in the public sector, I would go back into manufacturing. I love it. You know, making real stuff, not just moving money around, making real stuff. Um, and I always thought I'd go back into manufacturing. But when this opportunity came in, in with Meztech, um, you know, it was a a step change in my understanding of software. And it's a it's a, a whole new area, really, where that, that I have to learn to try and understand. I mean, working with some of the very young people that I'm working with now whose brains are just so alive it's it's it drives me and it gives me that mm. energy but at the same time I'm kind of shit scared because I can't keep up <laughs> but when you're in a room with with people that talented and that passionate uh, you can almost feel the energy and the synergy um, in the team and it's so great particularly with younger people to see one come up with a suggestion somebody else add to it someone else take it and run with it and yeah. to see the end result of that. Um, yeah. Is that one of the things you find rewarding? Uh, absolutely. And you know what? That's the one thing that lockdown and working at home has stopped. It's that, you know, you, you go on a Zoom meeting because you have a reason and you have that reading. It's very functional. Whereas, you know, I ring people up now and say, I just need to talk. I just need to talk to you. I just need to talk to somebody who's going to answer back with something interesting and I can bounce back and I can back because I can't do it on my own. So, and and um, I think yeah, not be, yeah and, and you also said you can't do it on your own. Um, so Joanna Brooks from episode one, who I spoke to um, earlier today, she was talking about her metal mates, um, people that she respects and has great relationships within her industry. Um, over your career, have you got any manufacturing mates that, um, have given you any particular help or inspiration or you can have a rant with over the phone or in the pub or yeah I yeah one of the big advantages of being taken on by a global huge company at the you know after you graduate is that um, I mean in my time and, and I guess it's the same now there is a cohort of people of the same kind of age of the same you know you're you're all pretty much single, you're out there, you're living life, you, you know, you're living your best life in your 20s and, and you have time to invest in those friendships. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole group of metal boxers around um, that, you know, we're still in contact with each other. I'm still really, really good friends with a whole group of them. And one of them is now the guy who runs the company I'm now working for. So... What goes around comes around. Keep those yeah. friendships and those relationships going, and and yeah, um, having that network of people, both to bounce ideas on, to mm. talk about new opportunities, to um, yeah, to to chew the fat with is um, an absolute must. And I and I think you know 
when people go and work for smaller companies, I think they might miss out on that. And mm. I, think, I think it's such an important, that network is really, really important. But there's other I ways think, to get networks. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, definitely. The parry for your network is very important. Um, and investing time into those relationships as well. Yeah. Um, it definitely does pay off, as you clearly demonstrated. But from your time at Metalbox and perhaps any other time, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I think I'm still yet to receive it. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't go on a podcast with Kirsty. There you go. <laughs> no. Um, gosh, that's a, that's a big question. Um, what's the best piece of advice? I, I mean, I think if I was to talk to myself in a younger, you know, a 15, 16 year old Nicole, I'd just say, you know, believe in yourself. Because the amount of times I doubt my capabilities or I doubt that a project will work and I or I doubt that I'm communicating properly or, you know, I, just stop doubting and just go do and and take take those comments that are made along mm. the way as as positives to build as opposed to, you know, they're not about chipping away and, and, and taking you down when people comment and, and, and make criticism that it is constructive. It's about building you up, even though some of it at the time feels quite critical. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's having the con uh, criticism in a constructive way that you can take it, apply it and, yeah. and grow with it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, along with growing on your journey along the way you've you've done several volunteering projects um you currently judging the off what innovation competition i believe yeah. but you also spent five months um was it in nambia namibia in Africa. namibia yeah, yeah. um yeah. project managing the construction of a school and a clinic yeah, that yeah. is a once in a lifetime opportunity <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that came at a point um, at the end of my um, Metalbox career, really. So I, I was at a point where I felt like I was a, a super tiny cog in a huge machine. Mm. I ended up at a factory in Shipley, the factory that makes the machines that makes the tin cans. And I kind of looked around the office and saw all these guys that were there and they were just wanting to stay till their... It was a great pension mm. scheme. It's a final salary pension scheme. Like, and they've got ages to go. And I was thinking, God, so it was like walking in treacle. And I thought, I want to do something exciting. So I applied to Operation Rally and, and got on their program. Metalbox, brilliant. They sponsored me. So they paid half my salary while I was out in Africa for five months. Oh, that's fantastic. Which is just brilliant. And again, some you know, a benefit that you get from larger companies. Um, and then basically while I was out in Africa, I came back and decided I was going to leave my job. <laughs> And go and go and work for an SME. Go and work for a small manufacturer who, um, you know, where I could be a big cog in a small machine. And then, of course, I got pregnant, so that wasn't maybe the best idea of. <laughs> but anyway, it was a great project. It was a great program to be part of, and I would say, you know, taking that time out um, and going to Africa and just, I guess, is that kind of grounding, um, mm. realizing, you know their day-to-day -day, you know their day-to-day -day third world worries you know when we worry about stuff you know and I say to my kids you know gosh don't cry about that it's such a first world problem just don't yeah. 
don't even think about it because you know their day-to-day issue was wasn't making something or making something more productively it was getting fed yeah um and so we built a school and um you know to get to the site where we built this school it was like a two-day drive there wasn't proper roads or anything and you know, just to see that level of um what's the word sort of industrialization or no there was nothing there was no infrastructure at all it was it was a, a great a great thing to see and i and i'd love i'd love to show the kids and <laughs> i'd love to go back actually and i've talked to a couple of my friends who i'm still in contact with um we should go back you know 20 years later and see one is it still there and and two what it you know how developed it's become in, in 20 years as a country i think it'd be great for you to be able to sort of see the difference 20 years on and um, yeah. particularly if you can take your family with you as well and go yeah. look i did this <laughs> because it's what everything we do is um whether large or small it's a legacy um yeah. for what we hope will be remembered by um and i think building a school and a clinic is a a damn good legacy for a woman in industry um thank you thank you one final question and then I'll let you get back. Um, you've mentioned your family a few times and you've mentioned the difficulty of balancing uh, work, professional life and the family home life. Do you have any tips for people who are trying to do that and maybe try and keep their career progression going at the same time? Um. I think it's all very personal and it's whatever you, um, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, I, I, there was challenges, but, you know, moving into the public sector for me worked because it gave me that flexibility. And I want I wanted to continue. I wanted to carry on. I, you know, I went to a few mother and toddler groups. I mean, I think maternity leave is just bonkers. Why, why you get six months off when they do nothing? All they do is sleep and eat. And then when they actually get really interesting, you've got to go back to work. So I, I say we should have like wet nurses. I mean, just give our children away. At... No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> that's a bit controversial. Um, no, I, it's. I think I've managed while the kids were young to mm. balance having a flex, you know, flexibility in my job to still keep my great matter going by learning new things, by changing jobs, by becoming part of other organizations um, and so still learning a lot myself mm. to satisfy my own head whilst being flexible enough to be to, to spend time with the children um, and this year September hopefully my eldest will be going off to university so I kind of the end the end is in light so um, yeah. oh you 